Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter Cullum Scott and it's an absolute delightful natter, this one. Uh, Cullum's just returned from the US where, uh, amongst other things, was a guest on the, the Late Late Show with James Corden. Um, I mean, we, we, we catch up on all of this and, uh, um, and his journey from... Doing karaoke through to uh, song competition, through to Britain's Got Talent, through to just, yeah, a global journey that is is just gathering momentum. And he's one of the most friendliest, grounded, lovely northern gents you're ever likely to to meet. We, we've got a bit of um, shared love for the, the city of Hull and... Uh, and we, we, we we get on all of it anyway, so I don't know why I'm telling you this now because it's um it's a right good crack this one. Um, before we get on with that, a few thank yous. Just like to thank Screw Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Seventy Six for producing this. Again, thanks to you lot. You know, I'll, I'll try never to forget to say thank you to you lot because this podcast has been going for over three hundred episodes now, and it's just it just involves me disappearing down the shed at the end of my garden. And uh, and sitting there looking at a screen until somebody turns up in the Zoom meeting, and then I just lose myself for an hour just listening to these incredible journeys and and just talking about records and it's just an absolute joy. And the fact that I then get to to put it out and a new lot listen and and enjoy it, hopefully, um, then that's that's just amazing. So thanks um, because you've been so supportive of this podcast and uh, and yeah, it makes it even even more fun to do uh, so thank you um if it's your first time listening uh once you listen to the end of uh, this episode go check out the back catalog you can hear me talking to um i mean we he's from we talk about hull so the house minds are from hull so we speak to uh, former house martin fat boy slim you can hear me talking to norman cook um tommy lee of motley crew um suede um if you like your your actors, uh, you can hear me talking to Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgus, uh, producers, you can hear me talking to SX, you can hear me talking to Butch Fig, gosh, who else? Foo Fighters, had, had a little known band from America called the Foo Fighters, go check that episode out, and comedians, Ed Gamble, James Acaster, Jade Adams... Maisie Adam, uh, oh, the list goes on. There's, like I said, there's over 300 episodes, so go have a rummage in the archives and, uh, and yeah, get stuck in. Click subscribe, that's the best thing, and you won't miss anything. And if you'd like to support it um, a little bit more and get access to other stuff, then I have a Patreon that accompanies this podcast, which is like a little crowdfunder thing, and it costs you 99p 
uh, a month. And uh, and yeah, well, it's a dollar a month. That's even less, 79p. Uh, and then you get access to a back catalogue of a few hundred shows on there, radio shows. You can watch all the episodes on the uh, on, on uh, video on there as well. So, yeah, you can find out about all of that and more at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, you're not interested in uh, you're not interested in me pitching my wares. Uh, you're here to listen to today's delightful episode, so it gives me great pleasure to say, please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Callum Scott. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast. Hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Right, we are recording and I am joined today. How are you doing, Callum? I'm really well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm radiant and glowing today. I've had a little bit of sunshine in Essex, which is rare. So uh, yeah. I'm going to work. Even rarer up in Hull. Um, we had the tiniest bit of sunshine this afternoon. So is, I'm, uh, is this where you are, Hull? Yeah, well, I've just been in America for, what, four and a half weeks, five weeks. Um, backwards and forwards, I've been from New York to LA, then over to Boston, back to LA. Then I came to London for a f- few days, went back to LA for a week. So it's just been absolutely mad, but so good to be back out again, yeah, travelling, Ah, oh, honestly, I've just had the best time. It's been so busy, but just been so amazing, mate. I mean, you're being humble. You was on the late show, right? I was on the late late show recording. Yeah, that was mad. And they had this beautiful. <laughs> we, we worked with this this amazing production company called Black School Creative, and they had sorted out this beautiful, like, basic garden um, for me to sing in front of. And um, it was just so special. I mean, it's like. There's little pinch me moments like that that I have all across my career, but that was that was a big one. It's a yeah. big, big show in America, so it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty insane. Yeah, loved it. Oh, amazing, mate, amazing. Okay, let's start the playlist. Um, do you yes. recall your choices, or have you got them to hand, or do you need prompting? I have, or I have got them to hand. Um, it was quite fun actually doing these ones because you, you like some of the questions. I was just like. I had to have a little think about, um, and as you'll see by some of my answers, I had to think quite hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was real fun, man. I, was, I, I enjoyed doing this one. Well, this is the one, the, the first question is generally the one, certainly when I, I speak to musicians, this is the one that gives them the most kind of difficulty in choosing. And that question uh, is the song with the greatest ever intro. Yeah, and I thought long and hard about this one because... 
you usually if you if you was to say like what's a song that brings back memories of or what's the first song you saw live or whatever like you go to the chorus you know it's like you immediately remember the hook and it's like the biggest the best intro ever i'm like what because there's the iconic ones right there's the phil collins kind of drum intro that's like Mm -hmm. iconic or um i was i was trying to think of ones that i remember that stuck in my memory without having to look for them and my answer for this was uh billy jean Mm -hmm. by michael jackson the reason why I, i remembered this one is because i used to love watching michael jackson's music videos specifically um and i remember my mum had got me this cassette and it was Michael Jackson's greatest hits, but it was all music videos. I remember putting it in, I remember just watching them and just being in awe because it wasn't just, with him, it wasn't just the song. You know, it was like, there's the whole uh, front end of the thing, then there's the, all of the music. And then afterwards, like, I don't know if you saw someone's like Smooth Criminal that have like an entire storyline, right? It turns Ridiculous. into a, a panther or not. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, I used to watch it just being like, this guy is like, unmatched never seen anything like it and billy jean was the one where it's in black and white and it's this mysterious kind of street and there's a there's a detective and he like has a cigarette and he puts out on the floor and then the drum comes in it's just like um it's just like a really standard like and and that that's going on and then this bass line comes in, it's dum 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 oh. dum dum it's, just, it's like you you like you're so it's anticipation all the time. And then as soon as the synths come in, the boom, boom. It's like it's just insane because then the whole time you just can't wait for Michael's voice to come yeah. in. And then it does and you're just like, I'm in. I'm yeah. all the way in. Um so cool, so cool, man. The music video is so cool as well with those light the light up floor oh, and mate. Yeah, iconic. iconic. Um, yeah. And one of the things with, with, with Jackson is, if I was to do this, uh, the, pick these myself, my intro would be Don't Stop Till You Get Enough uh, by Jackson. Oh, uh, yes. Just because it's just that instant, the, the, the edit is where it just starts with the woo, and then the strings and it in. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, in that's it, your disco dancing like instantly. Um, but with, with Billy Jean, I think it's so, I love that Jackson kind of like, doesn't doesn't let it all go at first. It's just the verse he's just got, and you know that when the chorus comes and his vocal goes up, you just get what makes him different from everybody else as a vocalist. Oh and I yeah. think that's really exposed in um, "Can You Feel It," where all the other Jacksons on paper have all got incredible voices, but when you hear Tito or, or whatever it is, whatever Jackson's going first or for the first two verses. And then I thought, forgive me if I get the, the, the lyrics wrong, but when Michael goes, Oh, the people of the world, it's just different level. The song just, just goes up, and you just yeah. think, Fuck, that guy's voice is ridiculous. I know. And it happens like um, the other one that I had that I'd written down is the one where there's that cool, um, like, it's like a Hammond piano, and it's like got this um, such a cool, like, soft piano sound. And then Michael comes in, it's for Who's Loving You? Yeah. And, like, Michael comes in, and he, like, that riff that he does with his voice, I'm like, it's just like, it's like you just got Superstar. Yeah. And even then, he was like, I don't even know how young he was, but he was young. Yeah. 
So it's just like, I mean, even from such an early age, it was obviously such a powerhouse. And the thing is with Michael Jackson is, you listen to like the very, the very sort of latest stuff that he did before he died. And it's like, it's still so iconic. His voice has got such identity to it all the way through his work. And like he did some pretty, you know, pretty different things, you know, like it, it wasn't just like, it wasn't like he was on a single track. Like he, you know, he, he was a, a man of many talents, that guy. It's really weird. I was I was chatting to a, a, a label owner on this podcast a couple of years back, uh, and he was talking about a band that they'd signed that were had looked into the science of goosebumps. Okay. Uh, and now, because not everybody gets goosebumps, I didn't know this until interesting. Yep. Uh, and and for me, that bit that I mentioned earlier in um, uh, "Can You Feel It" when Michael's yeah. voice kicks in, that will give me goosebumps. And, you know, and there's certain like moments in certain songs where I know it's going to hit that point and like the goosebumps come out. There's a technology in like certain notes and frequencies of notes that bring on goosebumps. What? I, I know. Right. So Google this when you're done. Right. Okay. And, uh, and so this band were like utilizing it. And I was like, fuck off. This can't be a thing. And he was like, Michael Jackson used that on one of the kind of the albums after dangerous one of the, the probably the ones that wasn't quite as big and iconic as the predecessors to that mm-hmm. but he was obsessed mm-hmm. with that that the science behind goosebumps and what makes people involuntarily emotionally a uh, physical like reaction to music like that and yeah apparently what? jackson so you know just when you think he won't bonkers enough he's trying to make you get goosebumps he was looking into goosebumps. <laughs> i mean that i mean that blows my mind a little bit <laughs> i mean considering that they can measure because you just think like you said there you just think it's a you just think you get it's like a feeling mm. you know it's like when the hairs stand up and those goosebumps come you feel like it comes it's a it's a, a response that comes from like something that you really love. But then, like you said, there must be, because you can listen to an entire song and it might not give you goosebumps, but then yeah. there might be a moment where it's just like, oh, um, well, you I think, can't believe, yeah, I will be Googling that for the third album. Thanks so you imagine you could, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next album is just going to be these bizarre bass tones, no vocals. <laughs> It's going to be three and a half minutes if you just be like, just yeah. up. people just dying up. of goosebump overdoses. <laughs> <laughs> Cause of death, goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> Callum's album just blew them away. <laughs> but you could hear, you could hear like maybe, you know, the same song 50 <laughs> times and then you could hear it maybe live. Cause I know what, what triggers me. If I hear a crowd sing a song, Oh god! I yeah. could hear that song fifty times, but if I hear a crowd sing it, that give me goosebumps. So yeah, a hundred percent. There's levels. There's I'll tell you why. When I I've only ever known to sing live, so like obviously my my starting music was um, emulating my sister the way she used to sing because she used to sing at theatres. Being like she was in a dance production and then she used to sing. And I just used to be sat there like, I can't believe that she's so brave to just stand up there and sing to a whole theatre full of people. And then I just used to try and emulate that. My sister took it upon herself to put me in a, a karaoke competition. And then from there, I just got like the bug to sing live. And I, I, I knew I didn't want to do the, the clubs and pubs kind of circuit, but I knew that I did want to perform live. There was something, there was a bug that I got in singing live. And so now when I, when I sing live, I still get the same 
feeling that I got back then, which is like, which is kind of why I suppose I prefer singing live to being in the studio is because in a studio, the only critique is yourself. Yeah. And I'm super critical of myself. So when I sing live, you've got, you know, however many people in the audience that are there to enjoy and critique your music in some way. But it's like when you get the the roar of applause or like sometimes it happens, it tends to happen in America where you'll be midway through a big note at the end and people will be clapping through it. And it's just like, it just gives you like an extra percent. Yeah. So I, I totally know what you're saying about, about live music it's, and, and thankfully we're going back into that now and I'm so happy, so excited to start touring again for those goosebumps, you know? Well, there's going to be lots of going back uh, on this podcast and we're going to start that now uh, for track two because I'm going to ask you please um, to tell me kind of the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, like Much like what you were saying, there's been various songs that I've heard that have either been attached to something emotional, which has kind of ended up me having that response with that song. Um, there's been certain songs I've just been absolutely blown away with. I mean, I think that up there in the echelons of uh, answers to this song, I think would for me would be um, Adele's Someone Like You that she sang at the Brits because yeah. I thought that that was a, a particularly a really beautiful moment. But the, a song that I remember having an emotional impact on me on first listen was a song called Boys in the Street by Greg Holden. Um, it's, I, I've done a cover of it. I did it for a uh, national coming out there and it's been a song that I was shown years ago by a, a lady that I worked with called Hayley Warner in America. And she's just said, I've heard this song. You should, you should listen to it. It's, it's pretty special. And I listened to it and the whole song is a story between a, a young guy and his father and the young guy is trying to find acceptance, um, for being gay. And, this boy is pleading with his dad and his dad, you know, is beating him down. Like you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing our family. And the way the, the, the way I love telling songs is uh, singing songs is like a story. So I, I always take somebody through a narrative and what Greg has been able to do with this song in particular is just poetry. I mean, it's like the stages of this boy's life. And then ultimately this kind of very tragic but beautiful ending. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't heard it, but it's such a journey. And I remember listening to it and just being so emotional. And I think it was because, you know, I have struggled with my own sexuality over the years and I've struggled with acceptance, not necessarily from my parents, but it just spoke to me. Um, acceptance on any level. I mean, I does, it doesn't have to be exclusive to the LGBTQ plus community, but I just think that Greg tells the story in such a beautiful way that I was just blown away by it. I, I was just sat there and I just thought, what an incredibly told song. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and it inspires compassion, albeit when you listen to the song, you're sort of sat there and you're just like, oh my God. And then you, you, you're hit with the arc of the song at the end and it is just... Like, honestly, if you haven't heard it already, I'd advise anybody to, to just go and take a listen because it is something incredibly special. Wonderful. Where was growing up? Growing up was in my hometown of Yorkshire. I'm up here now um, in Hull in the northeast. And um, 
Only a small city, 250,000 people, but home is home, and uh, all of my friends and family live here, so I've been, I was I was born and raised up in Hull, and now I spend my time a lot in, in London and America, but uh, I try and come back as much as I can. Cause it's, it's got uh, a rich history a- of great musicians, hasn't it, Hull? Yeah, I mean, we've got, um, I know there's a question later on that sort of touches on it, but yeah, we, we had, um, more famously, the House Martins, mm-hmm. um, we had them from Hull. Um, and it's cool because um, it was it's um, Jackie Abbott and Paul Heaton isn't it that's right yeah and they did and they did Beautiful South as well yeah. um, or the other way around um, yeah. but they they come from Hull I'd heard that David Bowie's touring band came from Hull okay I believe everything yeah. but the girl are, are they from Hull I, I mean I believe maybe. they are I believe they are maybe uh-huh. yeah and then little old me just pops up out of nowhere there you go <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to I'm going to discuss Hull a little bit more when we get to clubbing. So I, I lived in Hull for a while, so uh, I, oh I've, nice. Uh, so, so we can have a we can have a natter about some clubs. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to stay in the formative years uh, first, mate. And I'm going to ask you um, for track three, please come and tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. So my uh, my, <laughs> my school days, I was a little bit of a, I was a little bit of an emo kind of lad. Um, and that's followed me into my own into my own style of music, hasn't it? I mean, if it's not if it's nothing but emotional. But um, you used to listen to a lot of emo, a lot of like emo rock, and I, it took me through a little bit of a uh, took me just took me all the way back through my childhood when you asked me this question. And for me, a song that reminds me of my school days is a song called "All the Small Things" by Blink One Eight Two. Um, I was a huge Blink One Eight Two fan. Some 41, you know, um, Evanescence. There was loads of these, like, rock emo bands that were around. And it was just something that you could scream at the top of your voice. I was a skateboarder. So yeah. I've, it was like the two worlds was just, you know, as, as one. We used to play it through, like, a big hi-fi system when we was on our skateboards. But it was good memories, that. It was really good memories. I mean, it's it, when you're a kid, you're wishing away your life. And then when you turn into an adult, you're like, oh, being an adult's really boring. <laughs> Paying bills, like, mortgage. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're young, all the, the only thing that you want to do is be out with your friends and enjoying yourself yeah. and stuff. So it, it's it that nice thing to, called responsibility. Uh, it catches up with you, doesn't oh, it? <laughs> it's so overrated. Boring. <laughs> so boring. I came home from my, my five-week American trip, and I was like, right, better put a wash on. Uh, I, I couldn't believe myself. I couldn't believe that I was saying it. I didn't to put. I put a wash on. <laughs> you need to have a word for yourself, mate. Get down the boozer. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I should have banged it in a laundry and gone to the floor, but I don't know why I did <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you know, you, you mentioned about um, you, you'd struggle with your sexuality a little bit. Like, was that something that was problematic at school? Uh, my, yeah, my issues came, it was from that group of people as well, which is kind of like a bittersweet. But um, when I was younger, um, I could just tell from when my mates had started showing interest in girls. And it's, you know, right passage, everybody goes through at some point. And, you know, they were interested in girls and they started bringing girls around when we were skateboarding. And I was kind of sat in a little mood, like, mm, I, I want to concentrate on skateboarding. Like, I, all my all my boys have got their attentions taken away. And so a couple of my mates had noticed and were saying, oh, well, you know, my mates, you know, my girlfriend's got a mate called Sarah and she really thinks that you're hot. And I was just like, I just wasn't bothered. And then the more that I sort of, 
the more that I sort of thought about it, the more I thought, oh, why am I so different? Why, how come I don't want to have a girlfriend? And just like anything, I just, I, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a thinker. So that, that just planted a seed. I used to think about it all the time and, you know, quite sadly really, but I used to, I used to go and I used to lose a lot of sleep over it. Um, I used to, you know, just stopped eating meals and I'd, I'd got myself in a real pickle with it. And like anybody who goes through this kind of journey, there's a, there's a, a, a bit of shame in it. There's a bit of guilt. There's a bit of all these kind of, you know, um, feelings that you have that, that, you know, you, not that you shouldn't have them, but nobody should feel ashamed or feel guilty for feeling the way that they do. But when you're that age. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Especially after not telling anybody. Yeah. Um, it can be, it can, it can manifest itself in something a lot darker. And I just, I remember that I had to tell, um, I had to tell them. And when I told them, uh, unfortunately, um, they all abandoned me. Um, and I think, you know, kids, kids can be mean and kids can, you know, what don't, don't understand people, people get scared of what they don't understand. And I think we was just at an age where that was a bit weird for them. And then from being in the North, it was kind of like, uh, just shut up and get on with it. You know? And so I kind of kept my head down after that. And I was like, how, I don't. how do you shut up and get on with being gay? <laughs> I know, man. I know. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's like, the last thing you want to do, you just want to be out oh, and proud. Man. But, yeah, That's was, really fucking great. harsh, man. Yeah. Sorry to take you down. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Like, but, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. Have um, you spoken to any of them there. since? Have they made sense of the situation yeah. now and like, Realise what there was a couple of messages that were. came. <laughs> yeah, to put it to put it bluntly, yeah, um, they they did get in touch. Um, I had a couple of messages from a couple of the boys after I'd been on TV, and it was like, oh, you know, really probably should go for a beer. And I just thought, I, I don't hold any resentment for them that it was a really awful time in my life after you know, you know, after losing all your friends at what was it, thirteen? That's big. That's a that's a huge thing to have to go through. But in some ways it's kind of shaped me and from that experience I've been able to write about it. There's a song on the first album called No Matter What, which is kind of that experience. Um 
But I've been able to write something beautiful out of it, mate. And and now the messages that I get from people who've heard that song, you've helped me come to terms with myself or you've helped me chat to my son, you know, and all these beautiful stories that have come from from my pain, which, you know, I'd gladly accept any day of the week. If it helps somebody else, then, you know, then it's all been worth it. So I kind of, I've kind of made peace with it. I didn't go for a beer with him. (laughs) I was just like, nah, I think I'm all right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah. And so, kind of uh, at that age, having I mean, uh, being thirteen, fourteen, it's tough enough as it is with, without having to sort of deal with you know understanding you know who you are and and, and and you know and what your sexuality could be. It all must be like that. That's all very sort of problematic and traumatic and and everything that you know thirteen, fourteen years aren't designed to understand at that point. That's you yeah, know, that's 100%. that's an, an absolute minefield of, of, of trauma. And with all of that, like to see what you do now and to see you know what your career has been, like where did you go from, you know, feeling kind of ostracized from from, from, from people, I guess, to to feeling right, I'm now gonna go and uh do what not many people can do, which is go and get on stage and bear my soul to the public. Uh, yeah. And not many people have even got the balls to get up and, and do karaoke, let alone, you know, do what you've done. Like, where did yeah. that, where did that desire for, you know, what did, did you like attention? Like, and, you know, aside from th- those moments, was you a bit of a show off growing up? Would you, you know, would you would you sing yeah. for people like what you know? How did you go from them kind of awkward sort of teenage moments to then getting on stage and and feeling like you know you've really got something to say and show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely like a, a, a big personal journey for me. I've never to to answer your question, I've never really been one to be centre of attention. Like I just uh, I'm more of a person that likes to join in and be at the sidelines and kind of like you know rather than sort of having the attention on me. So when you know, when, for example, when I had started emulating my sister, it was for me and me alone. It was, I used to sing in my bedroom in the shower, like most yeah. people. And, you know, she, she, when I thought she was out, she was actually in and she'd heard me from beyond my door. And she, she knew I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have never have dreamt of, of going anywhere near a stage. In fact, when I was in this, when I was in school, I was a drummer and I was in, I was in the orchestra um, for briefly and I was at the back and I was quite happy letting the violins and the clarinets and all the guys up front to do their business I was like you guys are fine I'll just be boom 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 with the timpani at the end <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's fine by me and then when when I got into music especially when I got into singing sorry um, it was more like it was just a, something I enjoyed doing and then when she put me into the competition I remember very vividly we went down for like a recce the day before and I went to the pub and there was a guy singing their acoustic and I just, I sat and drank that pint the quickest I've ever drank, I think. I was like, just wanted to be in an hour. I didn't, I didn't want to hang around. It was making me feel uncomfortable anyway. And then the next day that we went, we'd not told anybody because I was just, I was so frightened of being stood on a stage that commands people's attention. Bear in mind, it was a, it was a, 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 um, a Royal British Legion pub. Yeah. So it was like, there was about five blokes in there. First gig, of, that's Madison Square Garden though, isn't it? You know. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I mean. It, it, it could have been, it might as well have been Wembley. For <laughs> yeah. And I remember being in the toilet, I remember being like, is there a way to escape? Everything was bad up. 
I was like, right, I'm just going to have to just do it. And I, I was sweating and I was nervous and I was shaking like a leaf. And I went on, I remember doing um, Last Request by Paolo Nettini. Yeah. Lovely song. Very, very easy to sing. It's beautiful melodies. And I sang that. And I remember the, the first few bars, I was very shaky. And I was like, I'm going to get off in a minute. I just thought, just, just go with it, just go with it. And by the end, I got this wonderful round of applause. Like I say, seven people in the pub, whatever. But it was the the spark of, of a brand new release of life. I mean, I, from that moment, was just like, that's all I want to do. Yeah. And so the next week I went back, then I entered into the competition and, and uh, ended up coming second. Um, I went back the following year and won it. Um, and then that lent on to more and more things. You know, I did a, a bigger local competition with my local paper, came third one year, came first the next. Um, and it was just that yearning and that edge to get back on stage and just perform to people. And it wasn't long after that that I discovered um, Dancing on My Own yeah. and started singing that rendition to people. And everywhere I sang it, there was a reaction and I thought, this is a pretty special song. And then sang it on a, on a little TV show called Britain's Got Talent and the rest is history. <laughs> What a song as well. What a song. Yeah, mad. Mad, mad journey. Well, staying in the formative years for, for one more, Callum, I'm going to ask you for the, uh, the first track you bought from a record shop. <laughs> well, this one, this one was quite embarrassing. This, Cheryl, this is the one where, this is always the shit one. No one's first record's <laughs> cool. Ain't going to, I'm not going to believe you if you like, said it was. As soon as I saw the first song that you bought, I was like, for God's sake. <laughs> the, first, uh, the first record I ever bought was uh, Spice <laughs> by the Spice Girls. Um, I was big fans of the Spice Girls. Me and my cousin Sophie, we absolutely loved them. Um, and I remember it was the first album I bought. And then not long after that, we went to go to see them in Manchester Arena. Um, and it was insane. I mean, as a, as a young kid that experience of going to a live venue and seeing, you know, an artist, a group of, you know, a group performing songs that you knew that you could sing along to. I mean, everybody, I mean, th there's not one person who doesn't like the Spice Girls. Everybody either likes them or will sing along to their songs because yeah. it's undeniable. They're, they're, they're smash hit songs. And like, it's just so cool as a young, as a young person going over and seeing that. And what, what, what's cooler is like fast forward into my career and now being the person that could be, you know, cause I've had, I've had shows where kids have come. Um, and it's like, you might inspire them in the same way that I was sort of inspired. Yeah. I didn't realize until a lot later down the line, obviously, but it's just, it's a cool 360 moment when I think about, you know, that was the first one I'd gone to. I was so nervous and I'd bought merchandise and I had the book and everything. And it was like, <laughs> it was just so cool. And, and and I think the thing, what took me back when you, when I asked, when you asked me this question is, it's like all of the olden days where, olden days, but the days where you used to go to a record shop and you used to stand outside and you used to finally be able to buy it. And it'd be the experience of taking out the book and looking through all the pictures and the lyrics and, you know, that having now been sat at the other side of the table takes a long time. There's a lot of love and time that goes into, you know, the track listing of how the, how the songs are ordered and, you know, the imagery you use and the thanks that you give to people in the booklet. Like, that's all really important to me. And I take a lot of time doing that for my own stuff. So it's like, it just took me back to days like that when... You, it's a, a physical thing that you used to take home with you and, and really enjoy and immerse yourself in. It's just a shame that that's kind of going away a little bit. But it's a, um, it's a, yeah, it's a it's common a, chat that Callum on this podcast, you know, of, yeah. of that having something tangible and and equating it to the journey 
The, you know, not just yeah. like the journey of going to the record shop, but like, oh, I can remember where I got that. Like, I got that yeah. in Woolworths, or I got that in this little independent record shop around the corner. Yeah. And I remember getting yeah. home, putting that on, and then for the duration of listening to it, I would read every sleeve note in that little book. Yeah. You know, I would look at every yeah. picture. Who, I would produce that. And, like, you'd devour it because it was yeah. all you could get because we didn't have social media. So we couldn't see mm. what Mel C was having for breakfast that day. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you, you had to get what you could, didn't you? And it was yeah. like, and I yeah. think that... And you would look at the album artwork, and, and and I'm not suggesting for a moment that artists don't spend a lot of time on track listing uh, and and album artwork, and, and, and you know, and, and and I guess the kind of packaging for people that still release on vinyl and CD and such. But it does feel like when I think of, for instance, like Jackson's like thrill, um, thriller and things like that, I before I even think of anything, I picture the album cover. Um, yeah. But then I'm I'm 48, so I, you know I've, I've you know I, that that was the area that I grew up in. But mm. I do think when you know digital releases are amazing, and and I'm not I don't want to be you know Granddad Stu on here and start going it was all better in my day, because there was <laughs> you know there is so much to be said for Spotify and being able to hear anything you want you know like that and get introduced to so yeah. much music you know. Yeah. But there's definitely something lovely about holding that CD or that, that record and something really like, special in it. Isn't it? Yeah. And I, like you say, there is, there is, obviously there is, there is something to be said about, about digital releases. I mean, I, I owe it to YouTube and mm. Spotify and all the DSPs for my music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Music being able to be heard around the world, you know, I think I would have struggled to to have my music heard in in such a global way had it not been for 100%. for you know online um, services but there is something that i miss in the in the physical world and i think you know what at the end of the day there are fans out there that will live and die by that i mean lewis capaldi was selling cassettes for his fans and i know that they lapped it up because it's just another yeah. it's another thing for them to have and, and you wonder I how many of them had a cassette player I would not know where to start. I mean, for a CD, <laughs> I'm like, where have I got my old PlayStation yeah. or is it something that I could use? But like, you know, CDs, cassettes, vinyl, um, which I think is obviously on the up again. But I think there's just something to be said about having physical stuff that you, like you said, it's it's a booklet that you would take out and there would be information about either the song or the 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 inspiration behind it, the lyrics, there's the, there's like photo shoots where they've, yeah. they've took time to either conceptualize the, the album or to just to give you some you know, beautiful headshots and stuff of, of the band that you love. And I think, 
that will still live on, I think. Um, but yeah, it's just a different, I suppose it's just a different time now, isn't it, Stuart? Definitely, definitely. Well, I guess post-school is when you go clubbing. So, um, I mean, I don't know even know if these venues still exist, right? But I'll throw some at you, right? <laughs> Spiders. <laughs> Spiders nightclub. That's just reopened, you know. And I think people. There was a there was an article online. This girl had gone. She's she, apparently she was like this, you know, quite prim and proper girl who wanted to go to spiders and and immerse herself in it. And she said one of the things that she absolutely loved is that at spiders nightclub you can get a crumpet with butter on, a toasted crumpet with butter on, at like two in the morning. And she thought that was the most the best part of the club. Right. When you sat there, it's like. Heavy metal, like really heavy stuff. People are dressed alternatively, and it's like a it's a different vibe. But yeah, a crumpet with butter, smashing on, a crumpet, <laughs> smashing in a crumpet whilst you're moshing your head. I mean, what, what would you want to do, Stu? Do you know what I mean? They used to have a cocktail called the Panagalactic Gargle Blaster. I think it was called. Oh wow. mate, yeah, I had some some carnage ridden nights on that. There was, <laughs> and there was. There was, a, there was a couple of venues I used to play back in the band days. The Adelphi. Adelphi's like, still around, I think, yeah, on Beverly Road, yeah. And the Welly. The Welly Club, yeah. That's yeah. where I spent most of my... I used to go to Baby Welly, which it's not called that, but under 18's Welly. We used to go there every Friday night. Wicked. Every Friday night. It was, it was so cool. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe they're all still there. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you for a song that soundtrack your years clubbing. I mean, you're a young man, Callum. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure clubbing still presents itself uh, after a few years. <laughs> But, um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're very kind. I'm 33 now, so I'm catching up. But uh, yeah, the, the, it took me. It took me a little while to get this one, you know, because I started thinking like, you know, clubbing is is usually there's there's clubbing music or EDM or whatever. But I did used to spend. I mean, I think I had my 18th at Spiders, and that was like, you know, you was listening to like Slipknot and Rammstein. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it was it was that kind of vibe. And then yeah. you know, as I got older, um, we had a a club called Position and that was um, multi-story you know there's like an R&B floor there was a, a 90s and cheese floor there was the um, you know th- there was um, what do you call it like top 40 floor and I, I mean me and my mates got to an age where it was like top 40 is cool top 40 is what everybody listens to Yeah. so my the song I put down for that was um, one called Give Me Everything which was Pitbull Neo Afrojack and Naya. But I think it was, I think that was because it was probably more attached to a time where I remember it was a it was a definite floor filler at the time, but me and all my best mates loved that sort and we would all get together and dance and sing to that. And I think it just brings back really fond memories of just being on a dance floor. Probably being a bit sloshed, yeah. singing and dancing our like our asses off to that song, and it was like everybody was sweating. It was not as cool as clubbing is now, yeah. but it was. I think it was such a. It just reminded me of really good times in a club. Um, obviously, the cool kids were dancing to R and B stuff. You know, everyone was dancing. <laughs> were they having as much fun though? Yeah, exactly. They're, I mean, they were doing some bumping and grinding. They were looking all cool and sexy. But there's me and my mates giving it being sweating, <laughs> spinning drinks down ourselves um, to to give me everything by Pitbull. There um, you go. That's joy right yeah. there, mate. 
Exactly. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Right, well, I'm taking you home. I'm taking you home for track six for a favourite song from your home county. So, yeah, so this one, again, uh, was a little bit of a thinking thing. I, I, I figured maybe it'd be cool to, to talk about um, uh, Beautiful South and, and the fact that they're really well celebrated in this city because... You know, there's not there's not a, a, a lot of people that have come from Hull that have gone on, you know, to have that kind of renowned success. There's a lot of people in Hull that sort of are celebrating within Hull, um, but few, you know, get out and, and, and sort of tour around like, like they did. But there's one girl in particular that I, I'm just very, very fond of, a girl, a girl called Charlotte Jane. And she is somebody that I've worked together with. Um, we keep meeting each other in America. We both keep going out for sessions. And even though she lives just around the corner from me, we only ever meet in the US. I don't know why. Um, but she's just so funny. She's so talented. And, and her songwriting and her, her singing is just next level um so she has a song called all my life that i'm obsessed with um it's a song about her little nephew who was born with half a heart and he had he's had a long long journey and he's still going through uh, treatments and stuff we actually did the three peaks the three yorkshire peaks to raise money for the charity that that has looked after him and uh, it's just, it's, she's just she's just she just deserves it she deserves that shot and i think she was having some real momentum and then like a lot of people with the pandemic it just kind of that momentum was just lost. Um, and it's such a shame because she works so hard and she's just got such an incredible voice, Joe. I mean, if you have uh, five minutes to check her out, she's just got one of those voices where when you hear her sing live, you're just like, how I didn't even know it could get better. Yeah. And it just is. She's just got this control and this, you know, she's, yeah, she's insane. So, um, and I'm repping, I'm re- I've got a rep hole. I Definitely. Mean, Definitely. I, I think to, to get some perspective on, on the beautiful South, I believe at one point their greatest hits carry on up the charts when that come out. I'm sure it, the, the stat was one in five households in the UK has a copy of that. Oh, wow. I mean, that's insane, right? That's a very cool, yeah, that's a very cool fact. Yeah. And I think they own like one in five houses in Hull as well, don't they? They own like... <laughs> I know when uh, like all the, like most of the student accommodation and that around, I'm sure like the the, the company that the beautiful <laughs> staffs own most of that. Own, yeah. yeah, probably, uh, uh, probably that's probably why I loves them. Oh, it's because they give you back. But, like, uh, yeah, and Paul Heaton's voice, like it's just something special. That is, it's just you know, no pun intended. It's beautiful, and uh, and I, I, I remember when. Um, when he wrote his book, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with Paul Heaton. I think he's, uh, he's, 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 a real, he's a real gem of a songwriter for the UK. I think he's, uh, he's something yeah. to be super proud of. And I think it was yeah. – um, he'd, he'd used this sample of um, – uh, sorry, he'd used this lyric, Back to Bed, Back to Reality, which he'd nicked from the Soul to Soul, Back to Life, Back to Reality. And Jazzy B from Soul to Soul had this massive rant about Paul Heaton – saying, like, you know, this is soul music. Why is he singing that? And Paul Heaton said, I've got more soul in my little finger than that band. And and when you hear Paul Heaton sing, that's soul music. It's like, he, I heard him sing an a cappella of Lean On Me. And I've never, I, it was on, like, some music TV show in the mid-90s, and it literally, I'm sure the goosebumps would have come out. But uh, it was something spectacular, Carl. Honestly, I think... He, he's yeah. I, I do think he's um, an absolute 
you know, stall of the of the British songwriting to you know uh, offering for yeah. Red. I think he's an absolute genius, and uh, yeah, he is. and he's got such a unique tone to his voice as well. That's the thing with, and and that's what sets aside, you know, because yeah. there's so many people out there that that are and have always been that want to be in the music industry and do you know what we do, and I think. You know, it's it's usually the people that have those kind of standout turns and and voices that that tend to be able to just stick out from the rest. And I think Paul's got one of those voices that if you put it on, if he was to cover a song, you would just you would know that it was him because yeah. he's got this kind of he's got this kind of I won't say nasally, but he's got this. Yeah, he's oh, yeah, a little bit nasally, definitely. I think that's fair. Yeah. But he's got. But it, it's not in a. It's not to, to be used in a derogatory way. Is his, his voice has got such character, mm. and it's got like this kind of. It's got like this kind of like command to it, where you're just listening to every word he says. It's almost. Yeah. It's almost spoken. Yeah. You know, and it's like listen to Caravan of Love, or you know, all those songs. It's just he has got a stellar voice. And I think he was actually all you know recently. I think he was playing the Bonus Arena. Oh really. Uh, yeah, a couple of my mates went to go see him. It's just outstanding. Oh, mate, absolutely. And what, there's nothing more endearing than somebody that has sold that amount of music, that he's that famous, that iconic and revered, yet you wouldn't be surprised if you see him down the pub and you know he'd be double normal. Yes. And this is kind of where I try and base my, like, I try and, I try and walk that line of being like, I've gone to all these incredible places all around the world and I've had, you know, some amazing stories and some, you know, there's some, been some incredible success on these songs that I've done. But yet I still want to be able to go into a local pub and sit and have a pint and a packet of crisps and feel like people can come to me and chat to me like they're pal. And for the best part in Hull, I think, especially, there is that sense of like, it's just a Hull lad. Yeah, you know, a couple of people come to me like, "Oh, I really didn't want to disturb you," and then it'll be the it'll usually be the fellas that go, "Well, he's a old lad, he's a old lad," it'll be fun. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, honestly, that is it. That is it. I will spend time and I'll take photos and I'll sign whatever they want me to sign, and, and we'll just chat as as normal people because that at the end of the day is what we are. We just I've I consider myself a very real person singing to real people about real stuff, oh, you know. Right. So I just kind of maintain that, and I think Paul's an incredible example of that. Um, and which is why he's so, like you say, so highly revered is because it, it feels like he can go on stage and he can sing these songs and you can be in awe of him, but then you can catch him down the pint having a, having a pint of Stella. Definitely. And you can sit and talk to him about the music. It's just, that's, that's, I mean, that's so relatable, isn't it? Last track, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, so this this one was a little tricky as well, Stu. I will be honest. You've definitely uh, you've definitely had me thinking for these. And um, this one was I was thinking, what is there? A, is there a song I've done, or is it a song that I uh, am in love with that other people might not know? And I thought, well, there's definitely been a couple in there that might not be. You know, people might not have known, like you know, Blink One Eight Two and <laughs> Pitbull. I guess people might hear Cam Scott and think, oh, I want to put that. So I thought I'd I thought I'd rather do something that I'd like people to hear of something I've done, and I, mm. and I had this incredible opportunity recently um, to work on a song with Nat King Cole, and uh, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a sort of more personal story behind Nat King Cole. He was a, he was my grandma's favourite artist. She absolutely loved him. And when we were little, she, my grandma used to play the music, and I didn't know who it was, but had. High respect for him because my grandma loved him. Sure. You know? 
And my grandma was was the earliest memories of me singing, even before I used to sing in my bedroom, was my grandma, we would sit and watch her favourite soap, which was Home and Away, and she would have me sing the theme tune. And I remember singing it, and I, I would finish, and she'd go, oh, you're bloody good, aren't you, Calm? I'd say, shut up, grandma, because I would just assume she was just being a grandma, you know? Yeah. And, and then, you know, when I started going into these competitions and stuff, she was saying to me then, she was like, you've obviously, she said, you're, you're such, I mean, she was she, obviously my grandma, you're so incredible, you've got such a lovely voice. And she's like, you just need to follow your dreams. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know, I don't, you know, I'm making my money at the council now, I was working as a, as a recruitment officer in the council and... She was like, you just need to, she was like, you've got a short time on this wild love. You need to just do what makes you happy. And I think that was something that really stuck with me. So that's kind of when I was getting, like you say, when I was getting to a point where I was becoming a bit more of like, I was putting myself in the limelight and I was feeling a bit uncomfortable. And as things got bigger, I just kind of remembered my grandma saying that. And it's given me a real rock. Um, unfortunately, my grandma passed away before everything started blowing up for me, which was really sad. And, and, and when I, signed with Capitol Records um, they'd, they'd, there was you know I walked down this thing and there's Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra and they asked me to sing um, a couple of songs and I sang it into Frank Sinatra's microphone and I was accompanied by Nat wow. King Cole's piano and it, was a, it was an insane moment um, and later down the line that Nat King Cole thing came back around I was asked to do a, um, a rendition of Around the World uh, for the remake of Foreigners in a Funeral and singing around the world, a song my grandma would have loved, um, you know, and covering one of Nat's songs um, was was another kind of like pinch me moment. But then to put the cherry on top of the cake, uh, Capitol had said we're, we're doing a, a Christmas album uh, of Nat King Cole's song, but we're doing it with a couple of duets. John Legend's on there and, you know, a bunch of other people are on there. Um, would you like to be part of it? And I snapped their hands off at it. And um, we just recorded uh, a version of it in Capitol Records whilst I was over in America. And I kid you not, I'm not normally one of these people, Stu, but there was something about either being in that room, back up, you know, by Nat Kuko's piano, singing to Frank's mic. Maybe it was something to do with the fact that it was a full 360 moment of the fact my grandma loved him and now I'm singing a song with him. Um, but there was something about his voice bellowing out of those speakers in Capitol and me singing along with his voice. That was just, it's the, it's the closest thing to kind of like the, I won't say paranormal, but I, I felt like he was there. I know that sounds a bit strange, but I don't know, his soul or something was in that room because I've never felt anything like it. You talk about goosebumps, that was like another level. It was like, Proper I just felt moment. like... Oh man, and I, I was saying to my manager, I was like, I don't know if you can feel what I can feel, but there is some energy or something, and that's not like me at all. Yeah. But it was just very surreal, and the gratitude is just pouring out of me. And I think it must have been, you know, that as well. And you know, so to answer your question, the the song that I would love people to check out if they haven't heard it already is um, my duet with Nat King Cole on Oh Holy Night. Um, not even a Christmas song that I would necessarily play. And then having listened to the arrangement that, that's been made on there and hearing Nat's voice and then having the opportunity to duet with him, I mean, it's just, just unbelievable. Um, so that even in that story alone, just hearing, you'll hear how grateful I am on that track. And I think it's, you know, we're closer to Christmas now and it's a time for sort of reminiscing and, yeah. and you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's... Uh, what a beautiful story. What a wonderful moment. 
Like, that's, yeah, that's absolutely I mean, incredible. I'm bruised, Stu, from the amount of pinching I do on a daily basis. <laughs> bruised. I mean, if I could file bloody charges on myself for, you know, beating myself up, but you just pinch yourself all the time and you're thinking, like, I can't believe I get to do that. I mean, this is my day job. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my first job was collecting trolleys in Asda supermarket. <laughs> so it was mine. From the, from the bays. Oh, that's why we get on, you see. We usually literally go around with my big tape that you put over all the trolleys and I'd take them back in and I'd do that every weekend just to be able to afford the car insurance on my car. You know. And I, I, and then, you know, I look where I am now and I, I pinch myself all the time. I cannot believe it. I'm feeling like I'm just going to wake up at one, at one point, but... You know, it's it's insane, and, and the lovely thing about these questions is it's taken me on such a nice like memory lane down, like from all the way to my school to right now, and you know, just makes me think of what amazing things may lay ahead as well. So I, I'm really grateful for for this chat, Stu. It's oh, been amazing. Mate, it's, it's the pleasure's all mine, and yeah, we, we we do a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, so people can go and listen to uh, all of the oh, tracks uh, that we, we've spoken about as well. I throw the home and away theme tune in there as well. And Callum, if um if people want to find out everything that you're up to, where's the best place for people to, to keep up to speed with you, mate? So people probably find me in a pub in Hull. If they come to Hull, they'll find me there. Um but if they if they want to have a check check me out online, um I'm Callum Scott, Callum with one L across all of my social media. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok now as well. I'm getting down with the kids now, Stu. Um, I'm all, all on social media and DSPs, Spotify, Apple and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'd love for you to come and check out my new music. I've got an album that's coming top of next year. Um, I'm touring with the script next year in Europe and America. And then I'll hopefully be announcing a world tour um, for the back end of next year as well. So there's, there's, there's so much going on. I'm involved with so many things at the minute and it'd be a pleasure for people to come and and join join the the incredible journey that i'm on wonderful well hopefully in the middle of next year when you're in the thick of it we'll get you back on and have a catch up and find out how it's all going because i've had an absolute joy today talking to you mate it's been so much fun absolutely pleasure's mine mate and next time you want me maybe we can do like a little acoustic thing for you or something like that would love that mate would love that thanks loads mate oh delightful like now when you think oh, if i was in hole now i go right callum get your shoes on mate we're going for a beer um sometimes you just get that kind of lovely connection and uh and the conversation just flows and it's super easy I'm, i've been blessed that that's that's something that's happened a lot over the, the 300 and so episodes um but yeah every time it happens it's beautiful and that was a real a lovely one so uh thanks again to cullen thanks to harry for facilitating that and uh, and yeah as mentioned at the beginning why not go check out the back catalogue um if you enjoyed this because like I say, I think it's 330 episodes now that you can go and have a, a rummage around in and you'll find some ace chats with all your favourite bands and actors and DJs and producers and comedians. So go have a little look and uh, and let us know what you think. I'm on all the social media platforms off the beat and track. Um, go have a little yeah, a little follow. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. And, uh, and if you want to support me on the Patreon, thank you. That would be lovely. Um, and all of them things you can find out about on my website off the beat and track podcast.com beat and not beaten see what i've done there beat and track.com right i'm back next time take care lovely people see you soon bye-bye
week's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu with him. Eat it, monkey.